Hey everyone, Christy McClellan here, and I want to invite you to a brand new event from Lifeway Women called Feast. At this event, you'll be invited to feast on God's Word by studying the Bible in its historical, cultural context. We're going to get to know the Bible in its world, in its native habitat, text, and context. You'll experience teaching, worship led by my 25-year friend, Laura Cooksey, and fellowship with other women around the world. Come and learn with me that the living God is better than we ever knew. Visit LifeWay.com slash Feast to learn more. This is the Mark Podcast from LifeWay Women. We're your hosts, Elizabeth Heineman and Kelly King. Each episode, we'll talk about what God is doing, how He has and is marking each of us. Sometimes that will be through interviews, and sometimes we'll have conversations around the table. We're so glad you've joined us today. Hello, and welcome to the Mark Podcast. My name is Elizabeth Heidman, and I am here with my co-host, Kelly King. Hey, Kelly. Hey, Elizabeth. We have a new friend with us today, don't we? We do. We have, uh, we were talking a little bit before the podcast. I think that I met her very briefly in the hallway somewhere, but I can't even remember what <laughs> hallway it was. Um, By the way, here, hi, how are you? Yes. Yes. But we, have, we haven't spoken yet, so we're super excited. This week, we have Alexandra Hoover on the episode. Hello, Alexandra. Hey there. So glad to be here with you guys. Yes, uh, we're super excited to get to talk with you. Um, one thing that we do on our podcast is we let our guests introduce themselves because we think that is always more fun and interesting than me just reading your resume on the air. So tell us a little bit about yourself and your family and your ministry. Yeah, for sure. So my name is Alexandra Hoover. Um, I'm a wife. I'm a mama to three beautiful babies. Layla is 10, Kingston is eight, and Sophia is six. Uh, I work and serve over at Transformation Church um, right outside of Charlotte, North Carolina, and I'm an author and a Bible teacher. Um, I'm getting ready to uh, launch my very first book into the world. It's called Eyes Up, um, How to Trust God's Hand or Heart When You Can't Trace His Hand. And uh, I love to serve women. I'm obsessed with helping women know who God is and know who they are in Him. And I use my words kind of wherever He leads, um, except when I'm dancing and like doing uh, the dance parties in my kitchen with my kids. And then I just don't use my words because I can't (laughs) sing, but I do try to have fun with my kids then. (laughs) That's awesome. Well, you mentioned that you're at Transformation Church with uh, Pastor Derwin Gray, and, and he's actually been on the podcast earlier this year. We've talked to him and um, I've, I've got to put the plug in for Women's Leadership Forum because Derwin's <laughs> going to be at Forum and Alexandra's going to be leading a breakout. So plug yes. there for members. So I'm excited about that. But tell us a little bit about the work that you do at Transformation Church. Just, you know, yeah. some of the, what's going on there. Yeah, for sure. So I have been in vocational local church ministry for almost seven years. And uh, I, I'm a local church girl. I love I love the church. I think the bride is the answer to um, really anything that God's called us to. It's where we are reminded of our mission and purpose and where we get to be the hands and feet more tangibly and then get sent 
um, into our communities. And so I am currently, my current role um, is director of Office of the Pastor, which is really just a fancy way to say that I help strategize and give direction and vision for our sermon series, uh, along with um, helping uh, create initiatives and move initiatives. And I partner with our ministry teams to make sure that we're kind of going in the same direction. I also have a team of people that I work with uh, where we um, oversee Pastor Derwin's content, um, his books, his studies, and uh, social media and websites. So I do a little bit of everything here and there. (laughs) Well, okay. For our listeners who they may not be familiar with Derwin and just some of his work, I mean, that's a, that's really a huge job because just the content for him and trying to kind of wrangle that. And then I think about just the weekly ongoing series and sermons. Um, that's That's a lot of content that you're looking at, isn't it? Yeah, it's actually quite a bit of content. I uh, I love being able to take uh, our sermon series uh, message and vision. Uh, we do it quarterly here at TC, and um, I love being able to take it and see what God wants to do with it within our local church body and how to serve our community. And so it is a lot of content, but I, I really do love what I get to do. And I love, um, we love God here. Uh, we really do. And we love that we get to um, partner with him um, through his word to equip uh, the local church. And that's exactly what I get to do. So I'll Although it's a lot of content, I really see it as just discipleship tools. It's a way for me to to partner with my gifts uh, to move things forward so that people can know about Jesus because he's pretty great. <laughs> awesome. I love that. That sounds like a really fun and really important job to just kind of get to shepherd that content um, yeah. alongside Pastor Gray. So that's awesome that you get to do that. You mentioned your kids. And we, we think we have a lot of moms who listen to this podcast and your kids are kind of close in age. So what are some fun things that y'all are doing right now in this season of life? Yeah. So I actually, I saw that question and I was like, what are we doing that is fun? Jesus, <laughs> help. Let me be real though. So we are, obviously we're coming out of a, of a pandemic and we're trying to find our footing again. And uh, I don't know how to not be honest. And so my very real and raw Alexandra Hoover answer is uh, the most fun we are having right now is we are very intentional about creating and, and really curating time together as a family. Uh, we love to go out to, for family dinners. Um, I, I talk a lot about our dance parties, but we really do have them. I It's a great way to like boost serotonin in our kitchen. I love um, it. We are so, we are not rigid people in the Hoover home. Uh, we are go with the flow. We we do love uh, some strategy and some vision, uh, kind of one of the same. My husband's an entrepreneur, so <laughs> we kind of speak the same language in our day-to-day life, which I think is why we're, uh, we've learned to be less rigid. And so our fun is really just found in the grace that we've experienced and the grace that we've really learned to have for our family in the last several years. Um so yeah, we just love to spend time together. It's nothing too overly complicated. I think that I, takes the pressure off of a lot of moms that are probably yes, so glad. Oh, and probably, listen, I love yeah. a good, I call them kitchen dance parties, even though they're uh, yes. not always in the kitchen, but it just yeah. feels like kitchen dancing. So I need to ask, uh, do you have a go-to song that's like your kitchen dance yes. song? We okay. do have a go-to song. It's Shake It Off by Taylor Swift and I'm not ashamed. I love it. I love it. <laughs> My one of mine is uh, "What a Man Got to Do" by the Jonas Brothers. So yes. equally, equally not ashamed of that one. <laughs> yes. But yes, it's That's so fun. So fun. That's so fun. Well, and I've even seen a few of the dances on your Insta stories, or yes, you know, And so you, you do. Um, you're really active on social media, and you, and even in the midst of like the fun and all of that, you, you do talk a lot about calling, and yeah. I think a lot of our women 
you know, they struggle with what does that mean? So maybe you could kind of share some advice on what you would have for a young woman or maybe even not so young women. If they're just still trying to figure out what does this look like? What is God's calling look like in my life? Oh. Oh gosh, I let me tell you, you guys, I am obsessed with talking to women about calling and purpose because I think that uh, we have we've done a poor job at really communicating what it means to be on mission for God. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I've kind of partnered with the Lord. It's a theme in my life to talk about calling and purpose because I think that if we understand exactly what it is, we will be set free into the spaces and, and spheres of influence that God's gifted us. So uh, calling is made so clear for us throughout scripture. It's to be the hands and feet of Jesus, right? To go and tell people about the goodness of God and, and the great commission and the great commandment um, give us a framework from which to live for our calling. It's our purpose and it's our mission. And so I love to talk to women about the reality that God's gifted us all with different gifts and wirings and temperaments and capacities, all though are used uh, to build up the kingdom of God. That's why he gave them to us. And that means that you get to show up in the sphere of influence you have, whether it's your kitchen, whether it's your Bible study group, whether it's you're a teacher or you work at the bank, whether you're a doctor or a nurse or you're a college student, I want you to listen right now. The season you're in right now is your mission field. You have been gifted a field to steward and your gifts and your love for Jesus is exactly what you need to show up and say, hey guys, I I know about a man who knows everything I've ever done and he's forgiven me for my sins. And I want to show you what it means um, to live fully and abundantly uh, with him. And that is the really good news that no matter where we are, we have a mission and we have a purpose and it's right under our two feet. And uh, I, I love reminding women of that because I think that we get lost in the thought that purpose and calling are glamorous or influential. When in reality, uh, Jesus had his three. And he was intentional to pouring into the three with what he had for uh, the glory of God and the good of others. And so, you know, if you're listening to this now and you're like, Alex, that sounds really great. Um, but I feel like my my sphere or my space or what God's called me to is so little. It is so important for you to understand that it only takes one person to leave your generation marked and changed for the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. And you have a field uh, to steward a lot that you've been given where you get to show up and live on mission every single day. I feel like that can be your, your whole breakout session. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. You may think about that one. I I like that you talk about it with like, you know, we all share the same calling really that, Mm -hmm. you know, the great commission and the great commandment to make Christ known and to love like he does. And so, um, I think that that's important for women. It takes a lot of pressure off of women because it's like you're not trying to find your unique calling in life. You're just trying to figure out how God has wired you and has placed you for living out the same calling. And so I think that takes a lot of pressure off because it's like I think a lot of times we get caught up with like, I don't know what I'm called to do and I can't figure out what I'm called to do. And and so – like yeah. you were saying so eloquently, like it's just where you are, what what has God given you with where you yeah. are. So I think that's yeah. And Elizabeth, you kind of said, like, I think we get hung up on what are we called to do right. and not who are we called to be. Yeah. You know? And yeah. just that, um, yeah, we all have that calling to mm-hmm. Christ for sure. It's true. And I think that one of the things that we miss is, is I think, two things. One, that our seasons will look different, right. but the calling stays the same. 
Mm-hmm. And the calling is to is to uh, help people know Jesus, right? Like at its pl- at its most simple form, right? The gospel is. Uh, for God to love the world that he gave his only son and we are to go until forth of the goodness of God. And all those seasons change, jobs change, family dynamics change, our, the calling and the invitation to partner with God stays the same. And that is so encouraging, right? Because we have a framework. Scripture gives us a framework to work from that gives us clarity around the direction of our purpose in life. Um, and loving God and loving people is is that is the very thing that God's gifted us to live on mission and from mission with, honestly. Mm, yeah, I love it. Okay, so you have a new book coming out. Um, yes. Tell us all about it. Yeah, so my new book, it's called Eyes Up. And uh, I it's a message that has been, uh, God's been curating and developing in me for, for years now. Uh, the subtitle of the book is really my favorite. It's How to Trust God's Heart by Tracing His Hand. Mm. And uh, yeah, I think that, you know, years ago when I began to really look at what this meant for me, uh, I, I wrestled with the Lord. This book and this message came from a place of wrestling and asking questions like, where, where were you, God? Mm-hmm. Where were you when? And uh, how, how do I reconcile really difficult things and circumstances to what I hear to be a good God? How do I do that? How do, how do I reconcile the suffering of my life with, with the goodness and abundance and love uh, that people tell me is found in Jesus, right? Mm-hmm. And I, I showed up you know, to the Lord one day and I said, listen, I want to believe that you're good, God. I want to believe that you're good and I want to believe that you're good to me. But I need you to help me understand what it means to look back and see suffering and pain when you're asking me to see love and grace. And so he took me on a journey. He really did. He took me on a journey of, of looking back and, and teaching me to keep my eyes on his hand, on his grace and showing me the moments where he had shown up in my life. I think that one of the things that I'd wrestled with the most was um, I allowed my outer circumstances to dictate God's character. And I Mm -hmm. think that's just easy for most of us to do when we are unsure of who God is. And um, one of my, one of my invitations and eyes up is I want to invite women to really get to know the heart of the father, to really get to know our friend, Jesus, our shepherd, our counselor, um, the Prince of peace, because Thing is, when we trust God's heart, friends, no matter the circumstances, no matter where we seem to think that God is absent, which He's not, we can trust His heart. We can say, man, I know His character is good. Scripture tells me that His character is good. And uh, in, the midst of, in the midst of Him walking me through these different seasons of life um, where I experienced so much suffering, um, two of the messages that came out um, which we can speak to a little bit later on. But uh, in First Samuel, we talk through, um, it, it, we see the theme of Ebenezer stones. And it's actually all throughout scripture. The overarching story of, of the Bible gives us um, a look into God's heart. And he uses stones quite a bit to actually articulate and give us um, a picture of what it looks like um, to live on mission, to be called um, co-heir in the kingdom of God as living stones. We look at the cornerstone, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and particularly in First Samuel, um, we see this word Ebenezer. 
And uh, I remember reading through First Samuel, and uh, I'll be brief with this because I want to make sure you guys head over to the to the book and read it. But <laughs> essentially, what happened was um, Samuel was like, "Hey God, uh, we're in the midst of what seems to be a really difficult situation. I need you to come through." God was like, "Say less, I'm coming," and he showed up. And what was what was once a place of defeat became a place of victory. And he said, I need you to set up a stone, a place of a place of remembrance, because the Israelites are prone to wander. And so are we. We are modern day Israelites. And he said, I need y'all to remember what I've done for you because you're going to forget because life is going to happen because the wind and the waves of pain and suffering are going to hit. But I need you to look back and I need you to see what I've done for you so that when you move forward, you can hold that as a place marker of my faithfulness and my goodness in your life. And that is all that eyes up is all about. I love that. We were just talking in my um, Sunday school class. I guess it's a Sunday school class, small group, whatever. We meet on Sundays. Um, But we were talking through uh, John 11 because that's what the sermon was on this week at my church. And so, you know, that's the story of Lazarus being raised from the dead. And we talked about how in hindsight, we can clearly see, you know, why Jesus waited um, because we know that he did it for his glory and for our good um, so that more people can know. But just thinking through like, what did Mary and Martha feel in that moment? And even just thinking through, you know, that famous verse, John 11, 35, where it just says Jesus wept. And I, Mm -hmm. I don't know why I've never thought of this before, but as we were reading it, I just thought, what did Mary feel in that moment when Mm, Jesus starts weeping? And she like, did she feel like he'd given up? Like, oh, this isn't going to happen anymore. But I think a lot of times in hindsight, it is very easy for us to like trace God's hand um, yeah. through things, especially if they eventually have a happy ending. Yeah. But if it doesn't have that happy ending, if we're still kind of in the midst of it, it's hard to trace that. And so I love what you said when you were just like, God, where were you? And knowing the character of God and just thinking like, he's there, he's weeping. Like that's Absolutely. what he's doing in the moment. Um, and he's right beside us and weeping with us. and so. I think that that's hurting to people, but that's definitely like we can't always trace his hand in the moment. And so sometimes that can be very uh, discouraging. But you you mentioned the Ebenezer Stones and you talked a little bit about that. Um, And so what are some ways that we can raise, you know, that song that says, here, I raise my Ebenezer. So what does that mean? (laughs) And then how do how can we raise Ebenezer Stones? What are some ways that we can do that in our lives, maybe in the midst of a moment or maybe um, after something like that happens. Yeah. So I want to just backpedal for just a second because the story of Lazarus is actually chapter five of the book. Oh, I love it. Uh, yeah. Not Yeah. So not the entire chapter. I use the story as an illustration to give us a picture of, of the heart of the father. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I there's something beautiful that happens when Mary is wrestling through that. Um, and there's a tension there. And one of the things that we talk about in the tension of, of, of suffering with the coexistence of God's grace and goodness is that the presence of pain has never been the, has never meant the absence of God. Mm -hmm. And, and the, and in the midst of so much pain, Jesus was with them and Jesus is with us today. And that is the comfort that we find in the midst of all of our suffering, right? And so when we talk about Ebenezer's and raising up our Ebenezer's, which by the way, Ebenezer means stone of help. 
mm-hmm. um, which we trace and talk through all throughout the book as well. But when we raise up our Ebenezer, when we look at the stone of help in our lives, what we're doing is this. We're doing two things. We are reminding ourselves that Christ Jesus is our greatest Ebenezer, right? But in the midst of things that we cannot reconcile, we're looking to the empty tomb, right? To the greatest living, breathing act, the miracle that God gave us, which is the resurrection to set us free. We look to him when we can't seem to trace his hand, we trust the heart. Um, And then we say, because we know God's character, because we know that he is good, we get to look back at our lives and we get to have um, faithful vision into seeing things through the lens of Christ. And here's what I mean. So when I was in second grade, uh, my mom and I were experiencing um, deep suffering and really difficult circumstances, I uh, poverty and homelessness, and along with just some really trying uh, situations that we were a part of, I also mm-hmm. was in the midst of learning English. So uh, English is my second language. I did not grow oh, wow. up learning English. And uh, although I was born in in the States, in D.C., uh, my mom committed the first like three years of her entire life, of my life, um, to teach me English. And so she would sit down at our kitchen table in our little rundown apartment, and she would say, hey, Alexandra, I, I need you to focus. I need you to learn English. This is going to change your life. And uh, it was one of the things that she was unrelentless in doing. And so in second grade, um, in the midst of just so much, so much uh, suffering, I had a teacher and her name was Miss Carpenter, Alice Carpenter. She's an angel. And uh, Alice Carpenter is the hand and the grace of God in the t- in a season and time where I just would used to look back and not be able to see his hand. And God used Miss Miss Carpenter in second grade to help me find my voice. Uh, she helped me test out of ESL, which is English as a second language. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was the hands and feet of Jesus to a little girl that was scared and run down walking through I mean, unimaginable pain. Uh, she was Jesus. And uh, I, I, unbeknown to, to me and to my heart, God was using this woman to curate and, and lift up something in me that I'm now seeing as my gift of words and my writing and my conviction for people. And right. she is an Ebenezer for me when I look back. And God has taught me to do that very thing. He's taught me to say, man, that season was absolutely devastating. But I see God here, and I see His hand there, and I know that He's moved. That's so good. I, I was thinking about just the influence of teachers as you were talking about Miss yeah. Carpenter, and I'm thinking, you know, there are a lot of women who might be listening today, and whether you're a school teacher or whatever, you know, place yeah. that God has put you in, you can be a Miss Carpenter to some. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's a little girl who doesn't know English, and and think about just. You know, if we're just obedient to the next step that God puts in front of us and the people that he puts in front of us, the impact and the change that our world can have is pretty, like, it's just mind-boggling to think about that. And I was even thinking, too, Alexandra, just talk about, because I know there are people listening, too, that are right in the middle of suffering. Mm -hmm. So as you're in the midst of suffering, sometimes it's even harder to to go to see your hand in this. So how would you encourage the women that maybe if there's the circumstances seem really difficult right now? Yeah, I love that. That's something I love to talk about because it's often easy, right, to look at the seasons where we experience abundance and joy and delight without suffering. And uh, I, if you're a woman who's listening and, and you're walking through just a difficult season of suffering and you're devastated over something, 
I want you to know two truths that we can stand on, right? So in the in First Samuel, um, when God um, tells uh, Samuel to raise up an Ebenezer, when he says, hey, I need you to put up an Ebenezer stone as a, as a place of remembrance, what he tells Samuel uh, in the same breath is, is he, he tells him, the stone is going to remind you that I've brought you this far. And I love to, I love to, in that same breath, when I'm, when I'm praying through, I, I say, I tell myself and I'll say it to you, God has brought us this far and he won't stop now. Right. And so mm-hmm. when we look at, when we look at the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus, we can cling to the hope that is the blood, that is the cross. And we can say to ourselves, God has brought us this far, friend. He really, truly has, and he's not going to stop now. And we can sit at the feet of Jesus, the shepherd, the counselor, the the prince of peace, and we can delight in the joy of the Lord because it truly is our strength. And uh, remember, right, that, that God is actually for you, that Emmanuel, God with us, is with you, that you are the dwelling place of Jesus, that you bear witness to the glory of God. And uh, that in the midst of, of, of suffering and of pain at, at night when you're crying and you're you're crying out to the Lord and you're confused about your circumstances, remember that you're never alone and that God's brought you this far and he's not going to stop now. And I, I love how often in scripture that word is used. Remember, remember this, remember this. And it's used of people that can't remember it firsthand. Um, You know, remember how God brought you out of Egypt. And it's like all of those people weren't still part of it when, you know, all these remembers are spoken. And so thinking through that and thinking in that way, that sometimes we may have to rely on the stories of the saints that have gone before us. We may have to rely on the stories that are in scripture. We may have to rely on the stories of people that we may not even know personally to kind of remind us of who God is, like you were saying, and remind us of our, of his character. And so I think that's important um, to kind of practice looking for ways that God is working in our, even if we can't see how he's working in our own live lives to remember yeah. how he's worked in the past and in the That's lives of so those around us. That's so good, Elizabeth. In the book, I talk about um, barring your barring my faith. So, oh, I, yeah. I, yeah, yeah, in chapter chapter six and seven, and even some in chapter three, I offer up like my experiences, and I say, "Hey, I." You may not believe right now. You may not have the faith or the hope or the wherewithal to keep going. So I'm going to let you borrow my faith. Like take some of mine here. Take my faith. Take my hope. Let it be what carries you on to the next season because I'm telling you that God is good. And uh, that's just another way that we then become Ebenezer's. Yeah. So first Peter, you know, we are the living stones now. We're a chip off the old block and uh, <laughs> we get to be. We get to bear witness to the goodness of God, to to the covenant community that we're a part of in the church. And it's beautiful. Yeah. And I should just say that we're recording this before your book comes out. And so Kelly and I don't have our copies yet. I know. So that's I, why that's we okay. keep like, accidentally spoiling things. <laughs> You're so good. They're so good. That that's actually great. Then, so I can. You guys will be so blessed when you read it. You're going to be like, yes. that's mind blowing. I know. <laughs> I'm so excited to get to read it. And what a great reminder that that we are the living stones, and that people yeah. can use our faith. And yeah. when they don't even feel like they can't, you know, they don't see it in their own life. Maybe you know, to yeah, give that away. That's so good. Okay, yeah. Alexandra. Here's the, the question that we ask all of our um, all of our people that we have on the Marked Podcast, and that is, what is the one thing that has marked you in your walk with Christ? And you've said a lot of things already, but 
Any <laughs> that you want to really share? Yeah. What is one thing that has marked me in my walk with Christ? Okay. So I, uh, I have learned a deep sense of resilience in my walk with Christ. I think it's left me marked. I think that I have walked through so many difficult seasons that looking at the life of Jesus and looking at the way that he lived and he loved has taught me uh, to live with with Christ-like hope, um, which has led to resilience. And um, I've learned to see hope in the midst of suffering. I really have. And although when I say that sometimes I, I tremble at the thought of something difficult happening again. Mm. And I catch myself feeling that way. Um, but because I've been marked, I truly have been by God's work in my life and how I've seen him live out his hope. I hold on to that every single time. I think that could almost be the name of your book is Resilient Hope, too. You know, <laughs> yes. Yeah. yes. That, that can be your Bible study. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's right. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Well. Anything else, Elizabeth, that I've missed or any other questions? I I don't think so. I think that this is going to be very encouraging to people, no matter where they are, um, if they're Mm. in the middle of a a trial or suffering or if they've just come out of it or, as we all know, like if neither of those are true, then they're preparing for one. Um, And so I think this is going to be very encouraging for people and encouraging about um, calling in our lives. I think yeah. It all is like wrapped up together um, in is. the beautiful way that scripture and God's character is all wrapped up together. And so thank you so much for just being on here and talking very candidly and openly about um, your book and all that that means. Oh my gosh. Thank you for having me, you guys. I love y'all both so very much. And I love this ministry. And I just pray and hope that the women who are listening are so, so blessed by this. Oh, I think they are going to be really, really blessed. And if you enjoyed this interview, seriously, you need to come hear her at Women's Forum this year. And <laughs> so um, be part of that. And we definitely um, we're looking forward to getting a copy of your book, Alexandra. And we just pray that it will just kind of go forth and, and be a blessing to so many women. Mm, yes. All right. Listeners, thank you so much for joining us again this week. And we hope that you will tune in next week. Bye. Bye. Thanks so much for listening. If you want to join in on the conversation, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Kelly D. King and at E.D. Heineman. Use the hashtag Marked Podcast to connect with us. You can also find Lifeway Women on all social media channels at Lifeway Women. All of today's show notes will be posted at LifewayWomen.com slash podcast. If you love the show, leave an iTunes review. It's a great way for other people to hear about the podcast. We'll see you next time. Home should be a place where we feel at peace, where we can be ourselves, where we feel loved. For a lot of us, though, home is a place of heartache, hurt, and loneliness. As believers, Christ promises us an eternal home. But what does that actually look like? And how do we deal with our current homesickness? 
I recently wrote a Bible study called Come Home for Women, and I'm so excited that Come Home will also be available for teen girls. It's perfect for small groups, helps girls answer important questions, and gives us a richer understanding of what kind of home God's building for us. The release date for Come Home for Teen Girls is August 1st, but you can pre-order it now at lifeway.com slash come home. Don't miss out on this opportunity to help girls belong and be loved. Again, you can pre-order it today at lifeway.com slash come home.